Hello. Hi. How's your Saturday going so far? Good. I called you. I called you without fucking it up. Of course, I can't get my earbuds in. I'm going to run and get tea. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, you can't see me, huh? Nope. Okay. Okay, here we go. Yay! Hi. Okay. Oh, my how, goodness. How, how far did you get? Did you, oh, did you... I got it. I got it all taken care of. Okay, good. I got it all read. And, and, I, and I, you know, that's the thing. I was not procrastinating these last two weeks the way I was the previous time. I mean, I was, I was doing the work. I, I started reading the day after we um, uh-huh. finished recording the last episode. But, oh, man, good grief. Are you talking about, like, the difficulty of the language? Well, yeah. And then, of course, other things cropped up in, in life. <laughs> I know. I don't have a lot of time today, but I want at least five minutes of an update on all those fabulous shenanigans yeah. you're getting yourself into. Right. Okay, so... We actually, t- we, the first, the, So I wanted to check in with you. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to check in with you um, about, like, what are your feelings about the way the podcast is going and is, is this kind of what you had in mind? I'm feeling um, dumb and, like, the, <laughs> like, I could be giving more to this conversation and I think the reason is I'm afraid of sounding dumb, really, honestly. It's because we're, you know, because we're, like, talking about- Right. Did you get this? No, I didn't get this, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, what in blue fuck is going on. But um, Right. Well, right? don't so I feel is, dumb is, too? And is this, are we, are we supporting? Are we, are we here for each other? Yes. This, okay. Um, I didn't know if there was like something else you had, because this is your podcast. I didn't know if there was no. something else that you had in mind and if I was failing, failing miserably. No, not at all. This is, okay. I was hope because, you know, one of the things when I ever, whenever I approach a really difficult text, having someone to bounce it off of is I've found helpful. Oh yes. You know, and even if we're both sitting here going, you know, what the hell did I just read? Uh-huh. Cool. You know, maybe that yeah. will be uh, interesting to uh, to other people. Maybe they'll, uh, maybe someone will start actually writing to us um, when the things <laughs> come out and, and we can maybe record a, a follow-up uh, episode if we get any it, responses. It, yeah, we could be like the survivors who come back and see how we're doing like six months post. <laughs> like, right. How'd you do? Getting back to civilization, right? <laughs> reading this thing. Um, so what? So what is it that you think made you take longer this time? Oh, because of the stuff you had. Yeah, stuff. I had. I was. Stuff that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some personal <laughs> life uh, adventures that uh, that took over a couple of nights when I could have been reading, but yeah, it's I'm all, sure your it's podcast all. audience forgives you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where I thought we would start off first, because, you know, like I said, how was your, well, first off, how was your reading this time? Did you get through it at a decent clip or? Yeah, I've been, so basically what I've been doing the last couple of times is, you know, because of where like I have time and when I don't on Thursday nights, I'm actually taking a class. So I typically am able to get it done the Wednesday before. So I got the reading done on, actually, no, this time I got the reading done last night, but it was only the last few pages. And then I go back because I'm, I'm writing all over this book. So basically I go back and I kind of gather the information and write notes to myself. And then I put asterisk next to something that is particularly something I might definitely want to talk about. But, um, right. I found parts of this, this section that we wrote parts of it, the most accessible and other parts, the most God awful and accessible thing ever created. Right. Um, and so there were, so there was this, and you know, next time we're going to have three weeks to read because of my training. And it occurred to me, I actually looked ahead at this is that the format that we're in right now, which is very, a lot of white space uh-huh. um, is going to be the, like almost, I think the entirety of most of the entirety of what we read. And then that last section, when we're back to only two weeks, it is like, a lot of it is very dense and I, yeah. I, I kind of wished it had been reversed just in terms of time. But, um, yeah. Cause that last section, um, I found parts of this, like the, the last third of the book. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, the last, not the last third, but the third section of the book is really dense. Yeah. Yeah. That what's probably what's going to be what the, uh, um, Ithaca and Penelope section. Yeah. That's. Oh, I don't know. The, is that a cha- one of the chapters? Ithaca yeah. The last two Ithaca and then Penelope are the last oh, okay. two. Right now, you know, the, the, the play format that we, we left off in, that's the yeah. Circe section. But so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm keeping up with, I, I'm keeping up with the chapters now that you schooled me on that. And I do, this is feeling like it's nice just to have a breathing space, but mm-hmm. the oxen, the, um, where is it? I, I wrote right. the oxen of the sun. The the. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Well, first like, off, it was like um, it was it was like drowning, and then occasionally coming up to like gasp one life breath before you go back down and get sucked under the abyss again. Right. Anyway. Okay. But besides so, that. Yeah. You know. Okay. So, um, our the first section that we had read for this one was the Nausicaa section, the infamous section that got the book banned in the U.S. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. So you didn't. Okay. Right. And that was the thing is that I got done. I got done reading it and go and thought to myself, we must be a, you know, pretty immune to obscenity these days because that yeah, was like different. that was nothing. Well, how did that get? <laughs> Well, the, you also have to, I, I mean, I'm always open to the fact that there's all sorts of craziness going on that I'm not even catching on to. For all I know, people are fucking dogs in here and it's just so poetic. I can't understand <laughs> what the hell they're doing. I don't know. Um, I mean, but, I don't know. But I was, I, I got, I sat there. One of the things I noticed when I started reading that section was that it was probably up to that point, some of the most accessible writing yes. that I had stumbled across in this, in this book. and. I was thinking, okay, this makes sense. I'm following it. The, uh, you know, there was, there was, you know, action and, and description and stuff that I mm-hmm. could, you know, get my, my brain on and my hands on. And I kind of understood what was going on, which was why I was so kind of disappointed. I was, you know, I had a rather purient interest and in, let's see how he handles it, you know, the, the masturbation and it's. So, okay. I was thinking about masturbation. <laughs> and I thought the masturbation happens in the next section when he is seeing Gertie. Right. That is, that's the Nausicaa section where he's what? Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Gertie McConnell yes. is the girl that he, that he, uh, and masturbates so, to. Yes. And the thing is, is like, I feel like I got through the masturbation and then they met, like, I'm just like, are they talking about the masturbation right now? And I'm just like, wait, but I missed him actually doing it. And then I figured it must've been part of that exchange where she's looking up at the fireworks and kind of exposing her thigh or whatever it is. And he's watching her. And I'm, I'm assuming in, in retrospect, she realizes what he's doing. Right. Um, but then there's this talk of, and I forget exactly where it is, where he says something about that she, um, that he had some kind of release or I forget where it is, but. Right. And I'm just like, oh, so he already jacked off and I, uh. Right. Yeah. There's that whole thing after he has that, where he readjusts his, his damp shirt where he's kind of rationalizing, you know, a pair of things actually, because he was, when, when Gertie gets up and walks off, he realizes she's lame. She's got a bum foot. And so. Yeah, after he rearranges himself, he's doing all that rationalizing. It's like, oh, you know, I'm glad I didn't know about the the lame foot before I jerked it. And it's like, yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks, dude. Whatever. Real upstanding, real upstanding citizen. I'm trying to find. So right now I'm around like 3:40, and I'm trying to. Okay, not okay. So we didn't start on Nausicaa. Right. We yeah, started. We, yeah, okay. we finished up um, Cyclops. Okay. So Actually. Cyclops, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's why I got confused. Cyclops. And this is, I think I texted you about, this is the one where we were last week when I was just like, who the hell is the eye? And I'd forgotten we were still in the section. As I went back, I'm just like, wow, there's still, the, are there two eyes? I didn't know. And then yeah. I, I had written a note to myself that when I researched it, this is the only chapter that's in first person. Although there is an eye later that mm-hmm. I also, am not totally able to identify, but this there is an I. It's the only first supposed to be the only first person chapter in the book, and they do not know who it is. Right. So my um, and so I wasn't completely the, off base on that. The whole thing in the bar and the and the rabid anti-Semitism and 
and and there was a very specific he had what he used to say bagog or gog or something there yeah. was like i actually ended up like like googling who says gob in ulysses <laughs> like i i was just like maybe the maybe the internet will just tell me maybe it'll just answer my question because um, he kept because he had a specific way i'm assuming it's a, he had a specific way right of speaking but getting into um the Nausicaa section, you know, it's, uh, there is, I think somewhere in here. So it, well, whatever, this is a long thing. I mean, it's so friggin' gendered. It's all in Gertie's head and she wants to see her boyfriend and she's so excited about the idea of right. cooking for someone. And, you know, it's, there's like so much that is like exemplifying this, like, like old, very old fashioned feminine ideal and she's a good daughter and she's right. got all these, like, you know, this is some kind of like wisdom about men in general and how uh -huh. she's going to be this great partner. Um, well, you know what, you know, what got me, so, because like I said before, you know, that was probably the most accessible section yeah. of, of the whole thing. And, you know, one of the things I've started doing this time around to kind of help I guess grease the wheels is that I just re reviewed real quick what's going on in Spark Notes before I read the section. Yeah. <laughs> so that I ground myself. I go, this is what I'm supposed. To, this is what they say I'm supposed to see. And yeah, then yeah, I I do that too, and I at least get the location. I don't like I skim. Yeah. Like just to find out who's talking by at least like this is the chapter. This is where they are. Just so I am at least doing that. Right. But what I found when I was reading through after I'd read the chapter, I went in and I read the. Uh, the section, you know, they give you the brief summary of, of what's going on in the chapter. And they, then they give you the, the analysis. And they were talking about how in this section, in the Nausicaa section, he was mimicking the, uh, the writing style of, so yeah, it's, the narrative style borrows from and parodies the prose of both moralizing sentimental literature and consumer oriented women's magazines. I'm sorry, I got a little fuzzy there for a second. Oh, Can you say fine. it again? I got sure. missed the. It says the narrative style borrows from and parodies the prose of both moralizing sentimental literature and consumer oriented women's magazines. Oh. Okay. And I was like. So the the style is accordingly full of emotional cliches, effusive diction, and imprecise descriptions. And I thought, well, fuck, I am an idiot. <laughs> right? This was the most accessible section, and it's supposed to be all cliched, you know, maudlin women's magazine type of writing. I was like, well, that explains it. <laughs> yep. You know what? I you know at this point they can be like this section was modeled after Dick and Jane for dummies, and I'd be like, I don't care. I understood what he was saying. Right? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it could have it could have pictures at this point. I would be thrilled. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, this book is definitely working to make us feel stupid. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was like I said I was. I did start. No, I was going to say like I what I did here, what I I'm doing now is I'm starting to actually mark when I start losing the thread. So I do even in this section, which much, was much more accessible, there were times when I started kind of losing it, mm -hmm. and it might have been times when it went away because there were times when it goes into his head and right. Um, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's just tangents in this book in general. There's people yeah. just going off and listing things and. But yeah, anyway, you were going to say, no, I was, I was, I don't know what I was going to say anymore. I was following your thread. I was thinking about, it's but, almost, it's almost as if he, I don't, maybe I should, well, I should go back and read some stuff of his from earlier in his career, because what I get from the, the, my impression here is that he's has, I mean, this could do from some transitions. Like you need more transitions. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, you know, because it, yeah, it just cuts right into the next thing he's doing, and fuck if you can follow it sometimes. And yeah, this is this is the section I was talking about. So in on page one to three seventy two, Lord, and then did me good all the same off color after Kiernan's diggums for the relief. Much thanks, and that's why I was just like, oh, he already did it. Yeah, you said three seventy four, three seventy two. Oh. Render section three sixty five. Yeah. Okay. That's whole that whole section, man. 
I don't know. I mean, the only time that I've figured that, where was it? It's where the fireworks are going off and you see yeah. that weird stuff. That's where they kind of, the uh, the crowd watching the fireworks, they're kind of the ones that uh, give us the orgasmic movement for, oh, for Bloom. I had a question, though. Yeah? There's the whole thing with the priests. Uh-huh. Where are they physically? Yeah, that's good. That's that's hard to tell from the text itself. What I got. I was like, did they go into a church, or were there's a procession outside in on the beach? I wasn't clear. Yeah, I think there was a procession outside of the church. The men's okay. temperance movement guys were marching around outside the church for a while. But yeah, it's at the top of page three sixty seven, right before you get to section three sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, where the Roman candles are going off, sign of, oh, and everybody cried, oh, oh, and the raptures, and it gushed out of it a stream of rain, gold, hair, threads, and they, yeah, that's all. Wow, yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, that's all. Well, now that I know that, I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's an ejaculation, okay. Right. (laughs) I didn't know at the time, I just Yeah, I know, because you kind of get, you're trying to, because I think he's, yeah, because you've been so detached from any kind of concrete you know, thing yeah. to grasp on or hang your hat on. When he does go into an allusion to something, for me, I don't know about for you, but I just completely am I'm lost. So I was, I think I was reading this at lunch at work and I must have gone over the section and I thought, is that whatever? And I went back and I read it again and I thought, okay, that, that, yeah. And I wrote down in my book, very unoffensive for a scene about fappery. <laughs> What's that word? Fappery? Fappery. F-A-P-P-E. No, I made it up. But oh. fapping is internet slang for jerking off. Okay. <laughs> but there is also, remember, I, I, last time I think we talked about that I had discovered that, and I think you knew, but I didn't know until I read about it, was that Bloom and Molly meet at Matt Dillon's. That's, I guess that's alluded to, but it is definitely on 376. He uh-huh. talks about that um, at the very bottom, Nightstock in Matt Dillon's garden where I kissed her shoulder. Right. Then he starts talking about bats. I'm like, you know, right? Enough. Yeah, because it's it's the sun's going down, so the bats are coming out. And... Yeah, he starts talking about, and then he starts talking about sailors. <laughs> I mean, think I guess it's all just in thoughts. Right. But then, the, and then there's a part where it, it starts shifting out of his thoughts and then back into his thoughts, as far mm-hmm. as I can tell. Yeah, where he starts wondering about sailors and then man smells and perfumes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and it refers to him in the third person. And then, so it says, and far on Kishbang, the anchored lightship twinkled, winked at Mr. Bloom, right? So that's someone, mm-hmm. you know, a third person of him. And then the following, the following um, section is, I, I, I think the eye is him. Um, Millie is his daughter, I believe. Yep. And Millie ends up hooking up with someone. So it's interesting because there's a daughter, there's a deceased son. Right. But I don't remember actually, I mean, the son's dead, but I don't remember actually meeting the daughter except in his thoughts. Right, right. And there's the, and there's the letter. From the daughter. There is at the very beginning, right? Right, right. When he's making breakfast, he's reading a letter from the daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also a letter from someone he has a, like a platonic affair with or something, and I keep yep. forgetting what her name is. But um, from what I've read, Millie hooks up with or meets somebody. Yeah, and I forget. He might. Be, it might be the medical student or somebody. I forget. Yep. Uh, yep. We see him. We in, see him in the oxen of the sun section. You yeah. To, you have to really search for it because that. We see- Oh, because that's where in the maternity hospital. Oh, yeah, I want to get to that. But um, right. Um, and Molly, she she's sometimes referred to as Marion or Marion. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. Um. Yes. And so we're at the Oxen of the Sun in the maternity hospital. Oh. Why man. are all? Go ahead. No, we're... just oh yeah. <laughs> so so all of these men are hanging out at a maternity hospital like it's the thing to do, and. Well, I think it's I think it's a doctor's actual residence that has a maternity hospital attached to it. Okay. Is what but why I, are they there? Um I mean it seems that they're waiting for her to give birth and she's been Right. She's been 
I was about to say she's been in births as long as this book has been, but apparently it's been, <laughs> it's been longer than that because this, I think, is only 24 hours, this book. And I think yep. they say she was in labor for three or four days. Three days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know so, why they would – anyway, yeah, other than they're waiting around eating fish and drinking beer. As people do. Right. In sterile environments. Um, but, but like halfway down that page, I have an asterisk. Very difficult to read. Like I oh, had to- yeah, yeah, because Oxen of the Sun is his like – path through the history of English prose. <laughs> is so that I, what it is? Yeah. Each, I mean, I was having such a hard time with the first half of the Oxen of the Sun section, mm-hmm. and it's because he was working his way through the styles of, to represent, let's see, represent the gestation of the English language. And so it's from Latinate prose up to modern vernacular at the back end where mm. right so oh my god i mean that was it was reading gibberish i actually took a picture of a page and texted it to my to my trainer um <laughs> and uh it was like let me see which um which page it was because it was ridiculous let me see here right now oh it's this first page yeah it's just like Universally, that person's acumen is esteemed. Very little perceptive concerning whatsoever matters are being held as most profitable by mor- mortals. <sighs> Sapience endowed to be studied, who is ignorant of that which the most in doctrine erudite, and certainly by reason of that in them high minds ornament deserving of veneration constantly maintain when by general consent they affirm that other circumstances being equal by no exterior splendor is the prosperity of an what the fuck are you talking about right. and the thing is it's like it's so it's so and and i as i'm reading this i realize there's no punctuation in there there was no comma there was no hyphen there was right. a period at the end of this 15 line sentence or 12 line sentence and because there's no punctuation there's also like i was just reading the words just now but i had no mm-hmm. sense of the, the the rhythm of the sentence the way to like modulate my voice in terms of you know Right. Uh, a, a subject where the subject was, where the verb was, the object. Yeah. No, there's, there's a def that throughout that whole oxen of the sun section, a, you know, a comma here and there would have been tremendously helpful, mm-hmm. you know, just to I put didn't realize that until now, but you're right. Yeah. And, uh, just to add some pacing or so you would know where to pause. Yes. And maybe that's, you know, something that's, indicative to uh all early prose styles you know Ugh. on ch- in 385 i wrote at the top of the page i'm not even bothering looking up these words right because <laughs> there was no point i was good i would have been there i would still be reading this section if i did that because th- it probably wouldn't have helped me understood it but there was like there were sections where i picked up like stuff with sound there was some alliteration mm-hmm. And then every so often it does go back to like, per, what's her name? Purefoy, the one yeah. who's giving birth. Mm-hmm. So there is this, it does come time, at times cycle back. And then there was this place around 386 where there's a castle and a knight and a dragon. And right. I'm assuming that's metaphor or, 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 or referencing another text or another story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of that was a little bit confusing. So did you catch on um, three ninety two? I should have underlined it. I just wrote it down in my notebook. Punch Costello, because that's the thing. One thing I underlined. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there it is. I did underline it. I just was looking at the wrong three ninety two. <laughs> Page three ninety two or section three ninety two. Section just before oh, okay. section three ninety two. Okay. So- um, Okay, where are you? Yeah. At the top of the page. Matriculated at the university to study the mechanics, but he took the bit between his teeth. One time he would be a play actor, then a a sutler or a welsher, then not would keep him from the bear pit and the cocking mane, then he was for the ocean sea or to hoof it on the roads with the Romany folk, kidnapping a squire's heir by favor or moonlight or fecking maids linen or choking chickens behind a hedge. And I thought... Choking the chicken is also a euphemism. Right, is that a... 
his and I was so I was so lost in all of that prose. I was thinking, is this a throw is this a throwback? Is, is this are we I kept wondering if we were in Bloom's consciousness or something at that point. Mm-hmm. And and this was a this was a callback to the uh um to the Nausicaa section, but I have no mm-hmm. idea. But I thought it was just funny that choking chickens that was that's not a a, a new euphemism <laughs> or maybe it is maybe this is where they've stolen from he i don't know meant choking chickens i don't know <laughs> has anybody ever really tried to choke a chicken well you have to eat them somehow just wring their neck i thought but okay appeared in the doorway so mulligan comes back fuck mulligan comes back yep um, oh he's mentioned this word several times in this book did you ever look it up which one metempsychosis I did actually look it up. What page is it on? It's on a couple of pages, but I finally got tired of reading it and wondering what the hell it meant, so I looked it up. Is it the one where you are um, turning into an animal or something like that? Um, well, it's this, I wrote down the definition. The supposed transmigration of the human soul into a new body of the uh, same or a different species. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of the at death, you know, the body trans migrates into a different animal or, mm-hmm. or another human. So yeah, that's, and I'm wondering how that plays into any of this or it's just something he was. I didn't know if it had anything to do with the fact that they went to a funeral and they might just be kind of touching on death in general. Right. Right. And then where do we get, we get to, I do find it odd though. Something, I, a little note I made to myself is that, of encountering like discussions in here of, of, of science and childbirth and everything like that. Yeah. And, and realizing and having to remind myself that, you know, things like knowledge is about the XY chromosome and how, you know, gender is, you know, is decided and everything like that would probably weren't known in 1914 or 1904 mm-hmm. when this is set. Right. And this just, I, fe- I had, it reminds me of, of what it was like for me the first time I read a Robert Heinlein novel. In, in high school, a science fiction novel. That? It was, um, he was a sci-fi writer. He wrote Stranger in a Strange Land. Um, uh-huh. But he, he one of his uh, books was called, um, oh, Heinlein also wrote Starship Troopers, which they made into that crappy oh, okay. movie with yeah, all yeah. the whatever, whatever. Anyway, the first time I encountered Heinlein, I picked up a book at the school library. It was called The Door into Summer. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't remember what year he wrote it, but the the future that the book was set in was 1971, and I was just <laughs> it was so trippy. That Did any fu- of it come true? No, you know it-, it involved time travel, and you could have like time travel in 1971. It's like <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, we didn't even have we didn't even have you know touch tone phones at that time. Yeah, bell bottoms and time travel. So yeah, that's what it was like for me stumbling across all this discussion of them sitting around pondering, you know, philosophically, scientifically, you know, how gender is determined. Oh, I don't remember that part. Yeah, it was towards the, it was when, it was, Wait. it happened in, it's some section where an oxen, uh, around 410, 418. Oh, is, is this when, so I remember a section where there's like a lot of talk about yeah like things having to do with birth but i wasn't thinking of it in terms of gender i was thinking in terms of like things that can go wrong and then possibly somewhere in there i picked up that perhaps you know your your birth or your baby might end up not being not so in so mm-hmm. so good a condition if you end up mating with like a low class man right but i wasn't getting gender so much as like here's all the strange things that can happen when you try to have a child. But no, it was no, like, it was right here. So, um, Mr. L. Bloom of can regarding the future determination of sex. Must we accept the view of. What page in, you? Uh, page 418, section 410. Oh, okay, I can't even get this in Pedocles of something or other that the right ovary, the post menstrual period asserts others is responsible for the birth of males or are the too long neglected spermatozoa or nemosperms the differentiating factors or is it as most embryologists inclined to opine such as Culpepper, Spallanzi, Blumenbach, Lusk, Hertwig, Leopold, and Valenti a mixture of both 
this would be tantamount to a cooperation between the nicest form of whatever, some Latin thing. I can't get it out of my head. I took Russian. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and on and on and on. Oh, I did not catch that. Yeah. yeah it was That was the section that made me pause and go, it's interesting, you know, that that at the setting of this book, 1904, they were still speculating as to about how gender was determined. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, you know, got... Easier to read there for a while in Oxen of the Sun until that dropped into the whole vernacular. Um, yeah, I, I got lost again. I actually did. I yeah, yeah, I did four twenty four. Yeah. Getting lost again, and then there was a whole thing that was like a lot of sound and slang and things spelled phonetically. And yep. Uh huh. And then it ends with a U towards the end. You'll need to rise, precious early, you sinner. There. Yeah. It, it almost seems the U is bloom now that I'm reading it, but um. When I was reading the uh, the Sparks notes on that, it was saying that that last bit of it. Let's see, let me get to the uh, the note here. It was supposed to uh, do, 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 uh, mimic uh, like American evangelical tracts, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, the narrative breaks into chaotic rendering of various twentieth century dialect and slang as the men hurry to Burke's. And a nearby poster advertising a visiting minister, which I missed the poster entirely. It's the same ad that Bloom received in, in episode eight, inspires a final switch to the style of American sales pitch evangel- evangelism. American sales pitch evangelism. Hmm. I thought, hmm, so that's what that is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I didn't, I didn't even catch that myself. And I should be, you know, we should be familiar with sales pitch evangelism. It just seemed like so much gibberish. Mm-hmm. But then again, I guess maybe that's all evangelism is, is much gibberish. <laughs> uh, so Cersei. Yeah. So how are you doing with the, with the, uh, the play and the. I am loving having so much white space. So <laughs> what I'm getting, and if I'm wrong about this, then I need to just crawl under a rock is that he's imagining these people. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a um, while to catch onto that too. And, and there's pig's feet, but besides that, the dog that eats the pig's feet is probably real. But so, and I don't know, like Steven and Lynch, those people might be there, but then he gets into like fantasizing about women. There is earlier in the, in the, in the prior section, the whole, you know, well, he's, he's masturbating. And then there's, where did I write this? Um, and on, th- on page 317, Miss, Miss, Mrs. Clinch is someone Bloom almost accosted thinking she was a sex worker. That's who the, that person is. Oh. And, and then later in this, it's a lot of women, him, him encountering women who are talking about his indiscretions. Right. And... I don't, so I know that at this point, because I read it, not because I was able to pick it up in the book, that he knows that Molly is screwing somebody else right now. Right. I don't, I don't, and I know that because I read it in like a cliff note or online. I didn't actually pick that up. But knowing this, he is now, he is now encountering all these like, these indiscretions with these other women. And Mm -hmm. the way I'm reading this is almost like I am now reflecting on my own misdeeds because I'm in this position to know how much it sucks. Right. Although, um, but there is also like, I was kind of, I, I wasn't sure because he's supposed to be like the main character and the hero. And I suppose he's supposed to be a sympathetic, sympathetic character, uh-huh. but he's, he is often kind of crossing women's boundaries. It seems right. Yeah. And, some of those descriptions, they, uh, there, there's, there's stories about his, uh, transgressions are pretty interesting yeah so there is this you know there so some of the way that this kind of gets filtered for me is i i think a lot of times in literature or in movies there is a male who still gets to be a virtuous male even though he treats women poorly right right? so and is this what's going on here or is the fact that we're learning about them, the fact that he's bringing them up, right? We're not, mm-hmm. this is not only like, hey, he came across this woman in real time and he acted whatever and it's no big deal. He's actually remembering these things. We wouldn't know about these things right. if he was telling them us about them that they have happened in the past. And in a way that is 
a way of showing guilt or judgment or self-judgment about it. Right. Um, anyway, that was just kind of the way it, it filtered through my thinking. There's also like an S&M spanking thing. Oh, yeah. I caught on to that there towards there's the end. Ca- there's cat and I like because after a while I'm like, oh, that's probably not what it is. But then towards the end, it was just like, oh, no, he wants to be spanked. Where is it? Oh, and he's a well-known cuckold, right? So that's about right. her, her Molly being with someone. But I'll flog him black and blue in the public streets. But there, no, but there was something else where, like, they're talking. Oh, I, oh, this was the part that I, I was looking for. Bloom, all these people. I meant only the spanking idea. Warm, tingling glow without effusion. Refined birching to stimulate the circulation. I had forgot about that. That he actually specifically mentions the word spanking. <laughs> um, so. That's also interesting that – and the women are commenting too that like he was trying to be dominated in some way. Yeah. You know, like then make him smart, hand and deer, give him ginger, thrash the mongrel within inches of his life, the cat and nine tails, guilt him, vivisect him. So I don't know if that's them kind <laughs> of um, – I don't know if part of this is the women was them being like let's punish him for being – you know, a pig right. or, or what, but he definitely seems to want someone to spank him at some point. Oh yeah. Well, he says it right there on the, uh, on the bottom of 467 when the first woman is like the honorable Mrs. Mervyn Tallboys, you know, says I will by the God above me, I'll scourge the pigeon livered cur as long as I can stand over him. I'll flay him alive. Mm-hmm. Bloom is his eyes closing quails expectantly here. He squirms again. He pants cringing. I love the danger. <laughs> I love that's funny. I love danger. <laughs> Very much so. So I'll make it hot for you. Right. I'll make you dance Jack Lanton for that. Yeah. Tan is breach. Well, the upstart, right? The stars and stripes on it. <laughs> stars and stripes. That's interesting. I don't know if I yeah. caught that. Hmm. Huh. So, yeah, so I, this also for me, for the most part, felt like a much more manageable section. One, because of the white space and, and because, you know, you don't have to worry about like, I mean, it go there are sections, but it's, you know, because of the format, you know, who's talking. Right. Um, it's just and, a matter of keeping a handle on the, uh, the stage direction, the stuff in parentheses to make sure mm-hmm. you're aware of, of what's, what's a hallucination and what is not. And there's just enough of that vagueness in his language for me that that's even a challenge sometimes. I was getting to the point where I was thinking, especially with all these women, I was thinking it was all him imagining or hallucination or whatever. Yeah. I've been hanging my hat on on how he, in the princes, will simply will change costumes for the people. You know, so suddenly they're dressed one way and the next time they speak, he's got a little parenthetical that'll say they're dressed a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm kind of, as long as that happens, I think, and okay, you know. Um. But then you have the piece with J.J. Malloy, who seems to be um, almost like acting as his lawyer. Right. And, and, and uh, like uh, defending him, mm-hmm. which I'm also assuming is. Hallucination. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Or whatever made up. Yeah. But I want, I'm, I, I'm kind of lost as to how the 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 mechanism of his hallucination what has happened to make him hallucinate i'd never caught that did you catch anything on that because i didn't didn't even see anything in notes it's like why is he hallucinating is do they say it in the notes that he is yeah that's the way that's why they described it in the spark notes as as hallucination okay okay so why couldn't it be dreaming but i if it's even if it's not hallucinating. Well, I, think phys- I think he is physically there. Right. Yeah. But if so, yeah, hallucination is probably a bad word. Is dreaming okay? When did he go to sleep? Is or is this just I, all? I imagine. I thought it was like fantasy. Fantasy. It's just that kind was my of take on it. Yeah. Walking through but, the red light district and and having this play going on in his head. Is that, that what? Was, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah. That's. That makes but more it's sense. Still, but, That's but more it's still grasping. a good point. There still is like, it, it makes more sense, but I think it's still, but there's still, yeah, if he's actually hallucinating, that, that would be weirder. So I took, <laughs> I took the reason this was happening is because he's feel, feeling guilty. Right. The post jack off guilt or just guilty because of, uh, of having been a, um, an asshole and now getting his comeuppance by having his wife cheat on him. Was he an asshole? 
I mean, a lot of people just, don't like him. Well, yeah, but I was, but you know, I mean, if oh, being an asshole to women, being an asshole to women. Yeah. Yes. That's kind of what I thought was kind of like, but I don't know. I mean, that's actually a pretty progressive way to think of it back. Like, you know, there's definitely a double standard and there was right. definitely a double standard back then that men's indiscretions were a lot more acceptable than women. So mm-hmm. if that is in fact, what's happening, if his wife is cheating on him and his way to respond to that is to look back at all of these things that he did that were uh, distasteful with women. That, right. that I consider that a pretty progressive stance. Yeah. It's almost science fictional, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. almost, I'm assuming I don't understand what's going on and he's actually a prick, but yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, that's the thing is that I, I'm trying to, you know, you run across so many racist words in here Yeah, that uh-huh. I, I have to remind myself that, you know, it's entirely possible as a, as a writer, as a creative person to, to use those words to be responsible for their placement in the text, but not be endorsing them and yeah, endorsing them or, or glorifying them. You're, you're reporting or recounting on what some horrible character said, but Mm -hmm. these, these things fly around in so many different characters heads. Is that just a reflection of the time, which is, yeah, they probably would have been common or is this something I thought it was a reflection of the time that is. Yeah. I don't know enough about Joyce's biography personally to find out what would be attributable. It's like, you know, so it's it's like when reading Hemingway, you can kind of get a sense what's actually attributable to him and what's part of the fiction, the mm-hmm. honesty of the fiction about the time. You know, there there's certain a, a lack of, of of sensitivity to it and a certain and a and an ethnocentrism. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's good to wrestle with it, but because there's no counterbalance against it, it's hard to uh, to center it, I guess, for me as to where, mm-hmm. you know, how to deal with it. Yeah. Because none, none of that just be randomly dropped into, a, into the description of, of a woman's lips as, what was it? I'll have to find it. I think I underlined it or squared it, but I don't want to go back to it and look at it. I'm tired of having that word in my head. <laughs> What's the one where it was clams or something? Yeah. Clams. There was some kind of clam euphemism. Um, The thing is, is that there's a lot of anti-Semitism against Bloom. Right. And I take that as not to be the writer's anti-Semitism, but reflecting kind of his lot in life for being the the target of anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, And there's also, not in this section, I don't think, I, I don't remember, but... Oh, no, it was the guy who's the first person who we don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. He's got a whole bunch of attitude towards Bloom and kind right. of comments about like how he's always got something to say. And he's kind of I don't know if that's anti-Semitism or just he doesn't like the guy. But yeah, um, yeah I think he doesn't like Bloom and he doesn't like Jews either. And mm-hmm. the citizen also has a certain weight of uh, anti-Semitism to him. The big hairy redheaded I, citizen. I remember I remember reading him, but I don't remember everything he said. But yeah. Yeah. So how in general are you liking this? Oh, we're going to go there now. Okay. Well, um, well I figure we're, we're in the, we're, we've hit the middle section. We've got two more to we're, go. We're, it's we're our, it's the home the stretch. We've, we've almost made it. <laughs> so the let's. Last section, the last section is going to be the, the dentist. Um, yep. So I think that at this point, uh, I mean, it's, it's good that I'm reading this with someone. And so I at least have to read it in such a way to make myself have something intelligent to say about it. Even if I don't understand what's going on, I have to have some kind of meta conversation with myself about what the hell is happening here. Um, and so I think I would enjoy it more in that, in that state than if I was right. I'd like, it would be too easy for me to give up on this if I was reading it by myself, which is what happened back when I read it like 15 years ago, which was right. like, it, it, I very rarely put a book down. It's happened like a handful of times. <laughs> um, and this is one of them. Right. And so, so there are times when I do, um, derive joy from reading this. Okay. Um, there, there are times I can't tell you why, but, or, or when it happens. And I don't know how much of that could possibly be this flow of this is a puzzle and there are times when I'm actually solving it mm-hmm. um, as opposed to 
and I, and my sense of it is that's kind of the way it is. I, I'm not engaging in this the same way I would engage in just like a good novel that I'm like in. Right. Right. It's, you know, yep. it's, it's not that way quite. I don't think. Yeah. I, th- I think that's kind of where I am. There are moments where it, it seems to lock in and I'm like going, all right, yes, I get it. It's still, yeah. it's still, yeah. uh, it's still like a, 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 a proto Seinfeld episode. It's about nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I never liked Seinfeld, you know, <laughs> I, I never liked that show. I mean, I saw a yeah. couple episodes and I was like, eh, okay, whatever, you know? And, but yeah, I don't think I would have sat down and, and read this on my own or gotten much past the, even the Stephen Dedalus section, the very first section we read, if I were trying to read this on my own. I would have yeah. abandoned it and not felt guilty at all about it. And in fact, probably would have rather defensively come up with some really snotty excuses and reasons to give to people. Why, why, it's beneath you to why it was beneath her. me to read it, yeah. Yes, you're you're very important. This is takes a lot of time. time. <laughs> you're writing to do. But I'm actually taking it as a as a badge of honor. I don't know if you can see this very well on the thing. Did you did you drop it in the bathtub? No. Um I left it on the kitchen table and along with a a glass of water and left the room for a moment to go, you know, talk on the phone, take a text message or something like that. With, and the cat came? And the cat came and just pulled the glass over on the table, just got up on the table and knocked the glass over, and it doused the book. <laughs> you see, your cat was like, your cat's upset. Yeah, your cat's like, you don't need to be reading that shit. You <laughs> need to be rubbing my belly. <laughs> right. So, but I've also found, what I find interesting is, though, is that I was I've I've always had a, a worry about reading fiction while trying to write fiction. Do you not, some, I mean, but you're always writing fiction. Right. I'm so I'm I'm always reading fiction and I've and but I haven't for a very long time had this been been aware of sitting down to write something and the rhythm and pacing of what I've been reading crowding in on it. I've I've was for a while beginning to re- revise my idea was that, oh, I can read fiction without it affecting my writing because I guess I wasn't aware of anybody really having an impact on it. But apparently Joyce's writing, this, this is so dense and so – because it, it, it reads on, on a certain level of just being gibberish, but there's that force of, of rhythm and to it. Right. There's some yeah. kind of there's there's a definite style to it. And apparently it's hit my subconscious on such a level that I was sitting down and I was writing the first scene of of a section for this project I'm working on. And I stopped and I realized all this listing I'm doing in this scene oh, God, yeah. <laughs> is from fucking Joyce. I, you know, it's these two guys. The scene started off with these two guys in this sunroom on the back of this house unpacking the art supplies of a dead art teacher. And so I'm just like, it's just three paragraphs of listing, you know, unpacking that list and trowels and things. And I was like, and I found myself, you know, rhyming and slant rhyming in it. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden Jason's freaking Bob Ross is like, <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the white he used? The, we're going to have, Oh, I don't something oh. white. Um, yeah. Shit. Where are we going next? Where's, um, I'm trying to, you know, I'm doing different colored pens. I'm very strategic about it. What's our next? Okay. So we go to 612. Right. Section 612, which is. That we should just about 612. Hold on just a second. 612 is on page 628. Yep. Yeah. So we should be getting, should just be getting into. So we Molly's. finish six twelve, right? So we get to we get to the beginning of six thirteen is where we get to. Yep. We complete six twelve. Okay. Yeah. So that should just be we should by that point be at the beginning. It looks like of might be the tail end of 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 Ithaca or the very beginning of Penelope. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's the back end of of Ithaca. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, we'll f- so for the last episode we'll finish up Ithaca and have and and do all of yeah, Penelope. 
Penelope doesn't start until 666. Mm. Very satanic. Or maybe that's Ethica too. I, I, I figure it out as I go. Yep. 66 so, the page, not the Yeah, the not the section. Oh, okay, I was going to say, because that's not a thing. Yeah, okay. So. All right. All right. I think we did all right today. I think we did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop the the, the audio. Okay. <laughs> bye everybody. I, I, bye.